Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome, welcome everyone to a new edition to Fizz Radio. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. And we're here every single Saturday morning on the score 1260 from 9 to 10 a.m., we are thankful for everyone for joining us this Saturday morning. We, we hope that everyone is safe, is healthy, and is staying happy during this quarantine difficult time. We know it's hard, but Matt and I are here to try to bring some type of joy to your lives during this difficult time. And we're talking about some Syracuse football today. Throw out all the basketball talk. We are focusing on SU football, and we have a lot to talk about. The NCAA ruled that, hey, athletes can come back for voluntary workouts June 1st. That's in a couple days. We'll discuss how that impacts Syracuse football. We'll also talk about Syracuse football's 2020 schedule. We'll talk about the all-decade football team for SU. And, of course, we'll get to the Fizz feedback. But before we get to anything, Matt, welcome. How are we doing today, bud? I'm good, bud. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm ready to go. You, you ready to talk about NCAA ruling? Indeed, I am, Jaron. All right, well, let's talk about it. So earlier this week, the NCAA ruled that athletes, that college athletes are allowed to come back to college campuses June 1st for voluntary workouts. That Now, that doesn't mean that all schools are going to be coming back June 1st and hitting the ground running, but that does mean that schools are allowed to come back and they are allowed to start working out, practicing, um, and there's still a lot of things to flush out, but my question and the conversation that we can start now is how does that impact Syracuse football? And when you look at this roster where there's a lot of underclassmen, there's a lot of players that can benefit from a couple weeks of practicing and working on whatever they need to work on before the season starts. How did this, how does this extended period where they thought that they were going to have to be condensed, but now they're going to have a full summer to work out. How does that help out Syracuse football? Well, I think this is just a positive sign for college football fans everywhere. Uh, Whether it be the small programs or the big programs, I think that most programs are just going to be happy that they get to start working again. Um, Obviously this is a tough time, but for news like this to come out and say that we're ready to get started, get back on it, Uh, I think that's huge. Uh, As for Syracuse, I I, I mean, if the question lies in our players going to come right back and and try and get right back on it, I mean, if I were a fan, I'd say I I really hope so. I mean, these guys, a lot of them are here to play football, and I think that's uh, one of the biggest things in their lives. So uh, I'd say that Syracuse is going to get going, and they're going to get going soon. Yeah, so – that's a good that's a good topic to talk about and the question is if these are voluntary if these players have the choice whether to come back or to stay at home and stay safe do the players come back and i was listening to a conversation um on get up this morning where it was harbaugh of michigan state or of michigan and harbaugh was talking about hey 
would I rather not play or would I rather play in front of no fans? And he said, play in front of no fans. That's be, that's in like a really big power five Michigan big 10, yeah. team. Big 10, yeah. Now Syracuse, they're the ACC. They're still a big 10 or a, a, a power five competition. But are these players really willing to come back and play for this team? And I think the answer is yes. But I also question how many of the role players, of the players that don't see 25 to 50 snaps a game, how many of them are going to be coming back and trying to work out and trying to to be a part of this team? And that's something that worries me, at least, when we think about this, because there's a lot of players that will come back and that they will practice and they will come back June 1st and start playing. But there's also a lot, at least in my opinion, they're going to take the time off, take the time off rather, and make sure that everything is safe, that they can actually come back to a safe environment and start practicing when it's mandatory instead of voluntary. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're going to get the whole roster, but I, I definitely think you're going to get, the Andre Siscos and the Tommy DeVitos and, you know, the, the, the number one guys, the guys who uh, are the faces of this program. Um, I think it's definitely important for them to get going early, however, uh, to be ready for the season. I think that's true for any program. So uh, as, as quickly as the entire roster gets there, I think that's how quickly they're going to get ready. And, you know, with Babers on their side, I don't think it's going to take much convincing as that's kind of his MO. So, um, you know, I think we're going to see the Syracuse squad going up to uh, Salt City and getting ready. Yeah, that's that's also a good point right there. There's a lot of young guys on the Syracuse football team. I feel like they're very – they're an underrated team where they could be discounted, and I think that you and I both are on the lower side of this team. We don't think that they're going to be a, a, a top-performing team in the ACC. I'm but not huge on the squad, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, we both agree with that. We're, we're both not too high on this team. but they And it's because they have a lot of underclassmen. There's a lot of people that have graduated or have moved on to the NFL or whatever it may be or transferred, whatever it may be, that are not on the roster anymore. And that's making this team a little underrated. So this whole NCAA ruling of, hey, you can come back June 1st if you really want to, if you want to, you can voluntarily come back June 1st. And if your school says it's okay, you can start working out, you can start practicing, you can start start doing whatever you need to do. If that's true, and there are a good amount of Syracuse players, especially the wide receiver one and the running back one and the QB one and the O-line one, like all of the first line guys, if they start coming back, that could be a huge help, especially for Syracuse football. Like if Clemson, let's say, let's just put this a hypothetical out there. If, if, if Clemson's first line doesn't come back and they have to go with their second line, their second line's the only, the only people that show up for that June 1st, like first uh, practice tryout, whatever you may call it. Clemson football is still going to be fine because their second line is just as good as their first line. But Syracuse's first line is not as good as their second line. So I think this June 1st ruling is very important for Syracuse football, especially in the ACC, 
to be able to get all of their guys back and get them on the first, all on the same line of communication. Yeah, um, and you mentioned Harbaugh talking about not playing in front of fans. I was thinking earlier today how how that's going to affect the the Syracuse program, whether that be football or basketball. I think that the Orange Faithful is so important and such a factor uh, when it comes to home games inside the Dome. I don't know how this team's going to perform if they have to play in front of uh, without fans. Uh, I don't know if that's really going to lead to losses or just keep them from wins, but without an incredibly talented roster to begin with, I think it certainly can be a factor. No, I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, it's, it's called a loud house for a reason. Like the Syracuse dome and it's, uh, who knows if it's still the carrier dome at this point. I mean, I think we're both lost at that point. I think it's, I don't think it's the carrier dome anymore, but Syracuse is still fighting that. It's battle. the carrier dome. Okay. All until, right. until they take the, the, <laughs> Metal lettering off of the building that says Carrier Dome. I'm calling it the Carrier Dome. All right, fine, fine. We'll go with it's still the Carrier Dome. So, sure, the Carrier Dome is still a very important and loud place that helps Syracuse football. And it just, Matt, think about this. Think about watching. If you're a media personnel and you're just going to a Syracuse football game to report for it, for Fizz or for any of the other student out, uh, outlets, Imagine going and watching a Syracuse football game completely silent. Think about that. I mean, I I can't. And the only instance that comes to my head uh, in which a game is played without fans are when the Orioles played, I believe, the White Sox back a a few years ago when there were Baltimore riots and they they decided to play the game without fans uh, due to the the riots. And um, Gary Thorne, the play-by-play announcer, was calling it like it was a golf uh, tournament because yeah. there was nobody there. It's just such an odd experience yeah. for a major sporting event to be played without fans. So I, I mean, that would be incredibly peculiar uh, to try and cover a game like that. I mean, for television stations, what what happens to the crowd shot? I mean, it, yeah. it just becomes an entirely different experience, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're both putting it in the whole media context of, hey, like, how does a play-by-play person? deal with the touchdown like how do you get excited yeah. for the touchdown if you can't really follow the crowd you know exactly so but you also have to put it in the context of our listeners of hey like if i'm just a fan how awkward is that going to be watching a football game where uh, whoever it is i mean tommy devito throws a touchdown pass and they're just crickets. Like it, it's going to be yeah. weird. It's going to be weird. And the other thing I, I, the other thing I'm thinking about is the amount of personnel on the sidelines for certain games. You know, they have the sound guys. They have all like how how are they going to tend to that? I mean, are they going to have to apply social distancing to those people? I, I don't know what they'll do in that situation. Yeah, and that's also a good point. Like this whole June first conversation of the NCAA allowing friend like the the, the players to come back to Syracuse or whatever campus it is and start practicing and start working out. Does that also include the strength coach, the, the, the equipment personnel that helps them make sure that they're okay. The, the personal trainers, the, the, the safety people, like the janitors even like, does everyone, is everyone allowed to come back and just resume like everything is normal? It's, there's a lot of questions to be answered and hopefully they'll be answered in the coming weeks before June 1st or as, as soon as possible 
so that we can get a little clarity and hopefully have Syracuse football and college football in the near future. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, that's going to do it for our first segment today on Fizz Radio. Make sure you don't go anywhere. We have rating the Syracuse and in, in evaluating the Syracuse football 2020 schedule. Who's going to be a tough matchup? Who's going to be an easy matchup for the Orange? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. All right, continuing here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with all of us. We appreciate it. And uh, Matt, let's get right into the Syracuse football 2020 schedule. We talked about how the Syracuse football team could be practicing on June 1st, and that's a, that's a surprise. Hopefully we'll have a football season uh, depending on this whole COVID-19 pandemic. But if there is a season, let's look at the 2020 schedule. It seems pretty easy for Syracuse football, at least at the first glance. Uh, I'll let you take it over. I mean, you start with Boston College, and then you get into non-conference play. Rutgers, Colgate, Western Michigan, and then back into ACC play against Louisville. That's a pretty easy start for Syracuse football. But let, let, me, let me hand it off to you. How do you think this team fares, uh, at least at the beginning of their season? Well, this is going to be a really interesting year for Syracuse football because, you know, coming into last season, I think most fans expected another 9, 8, 10-win season. Um, I, I think they expected a lot of wins uh, coming off that Camping World victory, and that's just not what Syracuse fans got. Uh, a very underwhelming squad last year, even though they only lost a couple really key pieces aside from lo- losing Coda Martin off the offensive line. I mean, it was mostly skill position players. So um, it's going to be interesting to see this year how guys have progressed, if the offensive line can keep it together, if Tommy DeVito actually got better. The big conversation all season was about how Tommy DeVito is going to get better. It's going to yeah. get better. You know, he has a high ceiling. But we really never saw him – get to that point. So if he comes into this year and he knocks it out of the park and he is going to back up all that talk that he just has, if you see him, he's he looks like he's Joe Namath. Um, he, he acts like he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So if he can back that up with some play, I think this team could be really good because I really do think that this is a weak uh, schedule. Starting off with Boston College, obviously Syracuse got routed last season by A.J. Dillon. Steve Adazio, uh, they ran the same play over and over again. You've heard the story a million times. And then they run into Rutgers, which I, I think everybody knows isn't much of a uh, trial. And then Colgate and Western Michigan are more of the same. And then, you know, Louisville, a conference matchup that could be difficult. But, I mean, I could see a win there. I, I could really go either way with with conference games. And then Liberty, 24 nothing last season. I see more of the same there. I think it's going to start out with wins for Syracuse. Start out a good 4-2. and two, but but as you get more into conference play, I think they're going to struggle a lot more. You know, in conference play last season, I don't know how many straight it was, but they lost a, a lot of games straight. And you just started to lose faith that this team would ever win again, especially after that BC loss. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to they're gonna do well in conference play. They have to go down to Clemson this year instead of hosting them inside the Dome. They do get kind of a – that that doesn't even matter. I mean, they hosted Clemson and got routed. This hey, man, 2017, never forget. I'll never forget it. <laughs> they beat them in the dome, baby. 
But uh, Georgia Tech is kind of like a bye week. And then you kind of you, yeah, it's some evenly matched teams is what I'd like to say. Wake Forest, NC point. State, Florida State, and pick yeah. down the stretch. I think all those could go either way, but knowing Syracuse and seeing how they reacted last season to losses, I don't think that they're going to go in the way of the Orange. So I think they could they are going to go five and seven, six and six this year. That's kind of what I see for the yeah. Orange. Yeah, so here's the thing, and you kind of pointed out where they have a lot of even competition. It's not like Syracuse jumps off the page as a really good team this year. Now, say Tommy DeVito randomly has some big step and a big jump and is one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC, that could change everything, and that could make them a legit team you and I both don't see that happening. So let's be honest. Let's say he's just like where he is last season, maybe maybe a half step up. If he's just there and Syracuse is in that same middle of the pack comp- conversation, the, the non-conference schedule is pretty easy. I mean, you look at teams like Rutgers that has that rarely win and they haven't been great basically an fcs team exactly they haven't this year's holy cross they 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 haven't won in a while in the in the fbs so you have rutgers easy win you have colgate why are you honestly why are you even playing colgate is my big question because yeah like they're d1 but come on, like Syracuse, you can schedule harder games to help you out and help your conversation out. I know you're not a a team that's going to be vying for the college playoff championship, but still you can schedule teams that are better than Colgate and Rutgers. So those two teams, very easy. You, you then run, run into Western Michigan where in the past, they've kind of given you troubles, but you've still won both of the games against them. I remember the, over the past two over the past two years, they have scored a lot on you. They've been high scoring games, but Syracuse always is is in control against Western Michigan. You then play Louisville. Louisville's again another fringe ACC team. That's kind of what describes the entire ACC is. Other than Clemson, there's just a lot of a lot of middle of the pack teams. A lot of average play. Exactly, a lot of average play. A lot of middle of the pack teams. You have Syracuse. You have Pitt. You have I. I mean, NC State, Florida State, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. Like all of those teams, you can just lump into one big group, and they're all the same. You can throw them out in whatever combination you want, whatever Saturday you want. One team is going to win one Saturday. You throw them against each other the next Saturday, and they're going to be this. It's going to be a different answer. So that's the that like that's the thing that is very difficult about predicting this Syracuse football 2020 season is you can say right now, hey. Syracuse is a better team than NC State. They only won one game last year in 2019. But who knows in 2020? Because Syracuse, on paper, is the better team against NC State. But that Saturday could be something different. I mean, they NC lost State could to just NC break State. Up. Like, it, who 16-10. knows? 16-10. That was one of the worst football games I've ever witnessed. 
it's it's very difficult to talk about Syracuse football in a in a sense of looking forward to the 2020 season because you just don't know. Like the the only consistency that you know is Aaron Service is going to be good wherever they put him on the offensive line and Andre Cisco is going to be great in the defensive outfield. Other than outfield. that, and I, I guess you can say Andre Schmidt uh, is going to be great kicking, but like other than those three, who else can you say is going to be consistently dependable for the Syracuse football team? And I mean, that's what is so difficult. You really can't, but you can say you can look forward and have some optimism when you look at guys like Taj Harris. He's going to get a lot more looks than he did any other season he's played. You're going to see Aaron Hackett get a lot more as well. I mean, we can hope that uh, Abdul Adams will put together some kind of season. Uh, I mean, the other thing we're not – ifs, though. Those are all, like, ifs. Everything's an if with this team, Jaron. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that these are the ifs that you can be optimistic about rather than be pessimistic about. The ones you should be pessimistic about come in the front seven. The, the defensive line and the linebackers, I, I, don't, I don't know where to start. I don't know what you guys' name. I don't know where to start. These guys, I, I, I don't know <laughs> what this program is looking at. I mean, did we watch the same Clemson game last season? Amari Rogers looked like he could just walk around the Syracuse linebackers. They put up no fret. There was nothing there. They were shedding off tackles. Antoine Cordy in his 17th year with the team couldn't forget a get a wrap around anybody. It was ridiculous. If I'm the recruiting department of Syracuse right now, I'm just looking at linebackers and defensive but uh, linemen. It's just getting ridiculous at this point. At least you have some hope on the offensive side. You you've got some kind of running back who who committed to a, a better school before you. You've got a guy out there who we a diamond in the rough and Taj Harris, and you've got money with with Tommy DeVito so you've got one good offensive lineman and that's what you're going to say is the optimist you got the you 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 got I'm not too excited yeah you you have the you have the Guido uh like Guido quarterback god with um with with Tommy DeVito but other than that I mean I don't really know how many people I can I can actually rely on with this team. But, hey, that's, that's the special thing about Syracuse football. Who knows if they're going to be good or not? Uh, and as we talk about Syracuse football and as we roll on here on Fizz Radio, after the break, we're going to talk about the all-decade football team. Matt and I are going to put together our all-decade football team, one player in each position, Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte working remotely. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us. And Matt, we've talked a lot about Syracuse football in the future, but let's talk about Syracuse football in the past. Let's put together our all-decade team from 2010 to 2020 for Syracuse football. And a couple rules. One player per position. So let's do QB, pass catcher, O-line, running back, safety slash DB, linebacker, D-line, and one special teamer. Sound good? Sounds good. I'm excited. All right, let's get right into it. I'll let you start. One QB, who is your top QB in the, in the decade of 2010 to 2020? Uh, you know, 
uh, immediately I thought of two guys. Both uh, led their squads to bowl wins, one in 2012, one in 2018. So that's obviously Eric Dungey and Ryan Nassib. Now, first, Nassib came to my head. I thought, you know, he had that great year in 2012, almost 4,000 yards. He threw a million touchdowns, whatever. Um, but then I, I really thought about it, and Dungey is just, you know, he's my guy, you know. He, he's a warrior. Uh, he has more uh, career passing yards than Nassib did by a little bit. And the, the thing that he did that Nassib couldn't was he could get it done on the ground as well. He had 15 rushing touchdowns in his final year at Syracuse, 35 overall. Uh, I just think that if I'm going to build a team, I want my quarterback, the guy who's going to be leading my guys into battle, to be an absolute warrior. And for me, that is Eric Dungey. So I thought about Eric Dungey too, and I think that he's a great choice. Like there, there, there's nothing wrong with choosing him, but the thing is he got pulled sometimes towards. He did. He at, did. At least, That's true. Even, even in his, in his senior year when he was the, the guy, like he was the quarterback of this team. It was his team. It was his team and he's really good. I mean, he was both a quarterback and a running back in one player. You, you can't take that away from him, but I'm going to go Ryan Nassib for my all decade team because Fair. in my question, in my, in my thought process, I'm thinking who's the best pure quarterback. And I think Ryan Nassib is that I think Eric Dungy, great dual threat. He fits really well in the Dino Baber system, but Ryan Nassib is a great quarterback. He threw, like you said, almost over four, 4,000 yards during his senior year. He also led this team, not to only one bowl win, but two bowl wins, which is obviously one more than Eric Dungy. And if you look at the Syracuse record books, he's all over them. So I'm going to go Nassib for my quarterback. As for my wide receiver slash pass catcher, I'm going to go Amba Edetawu. And I know he only spent one year with Syracuse, but during that year, he put up some special numbers. In his only one season, which was 2016, he set or tied the school mark for receiving yards in a game, which was 270, in a season with 1,480. 82 yards and in touchdowns 14 touchdowns in just one season imagine if he was there for multiple seasons he would have been amazing and he did all of that in just one year with Syracuse although he was only in the orange for one season you gotta give uh Amba some credit he was special with Syracuse yeah I mean he did have that one incredible year like you mentioned but I went for a guy who had four really, really effective years. And for me, that's Steve Ishmael, the yeah. all-time leading Syracuse receiving yards leader. Uh, I mean, he, he's been with – he was with the squad for four years. He didn't leave after his third. I mean, I think you just got to give it to the guy that stuck it out with the team and was effective and, and useful and, and a possible go-to guy every season for the team. He never made it to a bowl game. But I think that you got to give it to Steve in this case. Yeah, he obviously he was very successful with Syracuse. Um, and that's kind of the conversation of, hey, do you want to give it to Steve Ishmael, where he was very successful for a couple of years? Or do you want to give it to Amba Edetawu, where he was very successful for one year? Which one do you want to uh, to reward for the all-decade team? We obviously yep. want a different 
directions with that. But let's see if we meet up during running backs. As for the all-decade running back that I'm choosing, it's Mo Neal. And although Syracuse really hasn't had a strong star running back during this past decade, you got to give it to Mo Neal. He was only one of seven running backs to rank in the top 10 for both yards per carry and career rushing yards for Syracuse. He was a steady back in the backfield for a couple years for the Orange. And he's just, it's kind of just choosing, hey, who's the best of this group that might not be too talented, but you got to choose one. Yeah, I mean, Moniel was an absolute stud. I, he was one of my favorite players on the team. I absolutely loved watching him. Uh, but I, I went with a little bit of a different route. I don't know if I'm cheating because he only played one year in the 2010s, but DeLon Carter is my pick. Uh, he is top 10 on Syracuse all-time rushing yards and, as well as rushing touchdowns. The guy was an absolute stud, got drafted by the Colts, uh, had, a, had a, a short career, about three years with them, and then went on to the Jaguars. But, I mean, DeLon Carter, 2,000-yard seasons in orange. I, I, I mean, Moniel's an absolutely great back, but I think you got to give it to the guy that ranks pretty highly on both the touchdowns and the receiving or rushing yards. Yeah, hey, both really good choices, and let's keep moving here with our all-decade team. And let me just bring this up. We, we're doing this because on the last Fizz Radio episode, both Gil Gross and Brad Klein gave their all-decade basketball teams for Syracuse basketball. We're now doing the Syracuse football teams, both Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. And now let's go to the O-line. You get one O-line player. Let me... I'll, I'll hand the, the reins over to you. Who do you have for the O-line? I mean, it's kind of hard to, like, say, statistically defend who the right. best O-lineman in Syracuse yeah. history is. But I'm going to go with the guy that got drafted 19th overall. It's Justin Pugh for me. Again, a part of that 2012 team with Ryan Nassib that beat West Virginia in the pinstripe bowl. Uh, I mean, he's an absolute stud. Played with the Giants for many years and went on. Uh, I mean, Pugh's an absolute – he's a pro bowler. Uh, what more can I say about him? There's not many stats to to protect the linemen these days, but love him. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll agree with you right there, and we don't have to spend too much time on that. But, I mean, he's one of the only – or one of the few – got to look back in the record books for this one. But he was an old, line, old lineman from Syracuse to be drafted in the first round. How many times do you really see that? It's it's not every day that you see a Syracuse O-lineman being drafted that high in the NFL draft. And he was also a two-time All-Big East selection. So uh, great choice right there. We're both agreeing right there on the offensive line. Now let's move over to the defensive side of things. And let's start in the, in the like I said earlier, the outfield. Uh, let's start with the DB slash safety. Uh, I think we both have this same selection because I think it's pretty easy. I'm going Andre Schmidt, or uh, I'm sorry, rather Andre Cisco. Uh, how about you? You got to pick Cisco. <laughs> I mean, who else are you going to pick? The guy's an absolute stud. He's going to go early next season. I mean, that's, I mean, the guy stays good. There's nobody yeah. really close to him. Hey. He's the only guy in, in the past 10 years who, who ranks highly in any kind of record book. He, yeah. he is the only guy when you look towards uh, recent defensive backs in Syracuse history that have really made their mark. It's Andre Cisco. Two seasons now, his freshman and his sophomore year, he's been absolutely incredible back there. So more than adequate, it's got to be Andre Cisco. I mean, he's he's making the Syracuse record books as a freshman and sophomore. Uh, so I'm going Cisco as well. 
So that's an easy conversation. What about linebacker? Who do you got? Uh, I mean, it's, it's another one of those situations where you can't really like, like Cisco. I mean, Syracuse, like I said in our, our past conversation just a couple minutes ago, this, this isn't a program that breeds linebackers. I mean, Zaire Franklin is the only guy that really comes to mind when you think about it, other than Andrew Armstrong from last season, but Zaire's got him beat. Uh, I mean, it was a seventh round draft pick. He was good for the Orange for four seasons, had one season over 100 tackles, a lot of tackles for loss, 31 and a half on the career. Had a couple sacks every year. He was a force, and he was a guy that Syracuse definitely misses now uh, as they seem to have lost the ability to tackle guys. So, yeah. I mean, for me, it's got to be Zaire. Okay, so we got on the defensive side, at least, we have two agreements, both Andre Sisco and Zaire Franklin. I'm going Franklin as well. Three-time captain. Uh, that's, a, that's a conversation that a lot of people don't have. He was a leader on that team, and he really connected that Syracuse defense. And like you said, Syracuse hasn't really been known for its defense for a while now, and Franklin at least brought a little fame to them uh, while he was there. And at least an NFL draft pick in 2018, he brought some type of conversation to the Syracuse defense. So I'm going Franklin as well. Uh, let's move up to the D-line. Who do you have for an uh, all-decade D-liner? I mean, I'm probably going to catch some flack for this because most people probably think that there's a clear answer here, yes, which would, would be Chandler Jones. But I went with our boy, uh, Alden Robinson, just got drafted uh, to the Seahawks. I think that just if you look at the statistics, he was more of a threat in the backfield than Chandler Jones was. Jones had five less uh, tackles for loss than uh, Robinson did and, and nine less sacks. I mean, he did absolutely demolish him when it came to total tackles, but that's what a linebacker is supposed to do. So, or maybe we're not talking about linebackers anymore, but whatever you want to call him, he's kind of a prototype. Uh, but I mean, I got to go with old Robinson here, give him some love because I didn't think that he was going to get love if I just harped on how great Chandler Jones is, which everybody already knows. So, Hey, hey, listen, you can harp on Chandler Jones as long as you want because that's the truth. I'm going Chandler Jones for my D-lineman of the decade because that man is a dangerous player. He can get to the quarterback no matter who is in front of him, whether it be in the NFL or when he was at Syracuse. Also, a shout-out to him. He got his degree this past year at Syracuse whether I, I think he finished it online which is awesome for him uh, but Chandler Jones is my D lineman of the decade there's plenty of stats and I'm not going to go through them I think the listeners understand Chandler Jones is the D lineman of the decade he was amazing he's up there with the whole Dwight Freenies of the world for Syracuse football um, you're going to be talking about Chandler Jones for a while in the future well, let's move on. We have one last position here on our all-decade conversation here on Orange Fizz, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Matt, finish it off. Who is your special teamer of the decade? Got to be the Groza Award winner in his freshman year, baby. Ooh. Andre Schmidt. He was, an, <laughs> he was the best player on the team, bar Sterling Hoffrichter, but he's gone now. So it's his team now. The kicker, baby. Got to give it to Andre. I mean – 61 for 61 in his freshman year off extra points, and he wasn't much worse uh, 
this past season, I think Andre Schmidt is the most reliable man in the special teams department and the most valuable man in the special teams department when it comes to Syracuse football. All right, there we go. You had Andre Schmidt. I think Schmidt was uh, at least exposed a little bit this season where there was, a, I think it was a 48 or maybe a 52-yard field goal, and they pulled in the punter instead of – Sterling Hoffrichter. Yeah, Sterling Hoffrichter. They pulled in the – Hey, you know, it's all about strategy. Football's all about strategy. It doesn't mean that the Andre's bad. Just Hey, all right, well – you can you can pick Schmidt. I'm gonna go a little different route for my special teamer. I'm going Riley Dixon. That's the easy choice right there. He was drafted. He's playing in the NFL. He's making a living, multi-million dollar man right now. Riley Dixon is my special teamer for Syracuse as for the special team selection. But hey. That's our all-decade team. Whether you disagree or you agree, let us know. Tweet at us, Orange Fizz, on Twitter or go online, orangefizz.net. That's going to do it for our third segment here on Fizz Radio. But don't go anywhere. Right after the break, we'll get to your Fizz feedback. Almost done here on Fizz Radio, but before we go, we have a little left to talk about, and that's always the conversation of Fizz Feedback. Thank you so much for sticking with us. If you've stuck with us throughout this hour, Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte from 9 to 10 a.m. every single Saturday morning. We appreciate all of our listeners, especially during this hard time. We hope everyone is staying safe and healthy well, Matt, let's get to our Fizz feedback. And if this is your first time on Orange Fizz Radio, this is the time where we go on to our Twitter feeds and we look at a poll that we sent out earlier in the day. And I sent out three today to see about what people think about Syracuse football and Syracuse sports in general. Let's get to the first one. So everyone obviously knows about The Last Dance. It's a, it's a documentary about Michael Jordan and his time with the with the Chicago Bulls and I basically put the prompt out there that said if there was a last dance type of documentary made about Syracuse sports what would you want it to be on and I gave a couple different options I also wanted to see if anybody would comment the options that I put was the 03 national championship with the Syracuse basketball team leaving the Big East whether that be football or basketball the Jim Brown story or the Bayheim era. And right now, the 03 national champs are winning. Matt, how do you take that? Uh, you know, you could, there's an argument that each one of them exists except for the Jim Brown story. Um, but I, I think I, if, I, if we're going to talk about last dance type, I, I'd want to hear the most about the national championship team just because I, 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 I'm curious as to how Carmelo spent his time in Syracuse. Like, I want to hear about the team. I want to hear about the chemistry. I want to hear about Bayheim, like how he uh, interacted with them. I'm most curious about that, to see the ins and outs of that squad. Um, I mean, the Jim Brown story would be cool, too, just to see the greatest college football player of all time. Um, but I feel like that would be a bit, little bit harder to come by. Uh, would... and, and the Bayheim era, I'm curious. It's like, what do you mean by that? Like, from 77 or whatever to now? Yeah, hey, I said the Bayheim era, and that is second in voting right now. That's pretty close. I mean, that's only 
four percentage points off of the 03 national champs right now. So that a lot of people want to see that. Uh, let's also get to some comments, and we always like to listen to our Orange Fizz commenters. Uh, Ethan Zombeck says, Greg Robinson era, enjoy the tragedies in this context a little more sometimes. So, I mean, hey, Greg Robinson, not a great bat, or rather football coach for Syracuse. Uh, that would be an interesting conversation and something to watch. But I, at least personally, would love to see the, the Jim Brown story. Yeah, that'd be cool. We also have another commenter, Thomas Fowler says, there's already a DVD on the 03 team. There is a 30 for 30 on the Big East, and Jim Brown might be cool if they added the lax part. Otherwise, imagine the video footage and history of 40-plus years of Bayheim. So I think Thomas Fowler is leading towards the Bayheim era idea. which would be very interesting. I mean, I, I would love to see that. And let's move on to the next Fizz feedback. Which 2020 opponent, not including Clemson, because, well, that's obvious, opposes the toughest test for Syracuse football? I throw out there, versus Louisville, at Wake Forest, versus Florida State, and at Pittsburgh. And, and right now, versus Florida State, home against the Seminoles, is winning with 43% of the vote. I mean, they're all pretty evenly matched. So um, I, I think I'd probably go with Louisville just because they were the best team from last season, um, five and three in the conference. Everybody else kind of stunk. Um, Florida State's winning it right now. I, I mean, I'm interested that – I mean, it's interesting to me because the, the two home games are the ones that are leading in the feedback. Yeah. And that's usually what Syracuse is good at. But – but I mean, here, I mean, here's the thing. Really. Here, here's the thing. Who cares about home field advantage? If yeah, there are yeah. no fans, the the dome doesn't matter. I mean, you can play anywhere, and there, it's not going to be any different. So, as people are thinking Florida State is going to be the toughest competition. Then Louisville. Um, I voted for Pittsburgh because Pitt is always a tough game for Syracuse, no matter who's in their sure. roster. So Pitt's always a tough one. Um, let's also get to a conversation. Todd Delaney, a commenter, says COVID-19. That's a good one, Todd. I like it. I like it. Uh, but before we wrap up here on Orange Fizz, let's get to the fat, the last Fizz feedback. And that says, which Fizz staff member had the better all-decade basketball starting five on last week's Fizz Radio? Brad had Tyler Ennis, Michael Carter-Williams, Wes Johnson, CJ Fair, Rakeem Christmas, Gil, Gil Gross had Tyler Ennis, uh, White, Hughes, Fair, and Christmas. Uh, I've got a huge, a huge bone to pick. I'm going to skip to the comment real quick. Ethan Zombeck said none of you have the best player. He's absolutely correct, except he thinks it's Dion uh, Waiters when it's absolutely not. It's Fab Mello, man. Guy was an absolute beast. If he goes to class, Syracuse wins a natty in 2012. I mean, how could you not put Fab in your in your Fab Five? I mean, CJ obviously has to be in there. Uh, I like MCW and Tyler Ennis at the one and two, just because there's a lot of defense there. there as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good defense there. And, you know, it's kind of a toss-up between uh, Hughes and, and Wes Johnson for me, if Wes Johnson counts, because he really played no nine. But, I mean, you got to have Fab in there, man. I, if I had to pick, I'd probably take Brad's, just because I want to have MC, MC Dub. But <laughs> I, I don't like either of them. 
I also went Brad because, again, I like Ennis and Michael Carter-Williams in um, as those two guards and being able to back up with each other. I also like Rakeem Christmas at the five. I'll be honest, Fab Mello was great, but you got to give it to Christmas. We'll... You're wrong, Jared. Okay. All right, I hey. I you well, wrong. I'm, I'm we, a Fab Mello fan and I'll never change. We got we to gotta wrap up here on Fizz Radio. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We appreciate all of our listeners. We hope you are all staying safe and healthy. Hopefully we'll see you back here next week on Fizz Radio on the score 1260.